Welcome to the Restore Ministries Australia podcast, where we desire to connect you with people, teaching, encouragement and resources that will see you and those around you restored to true humanity. Join us as we seek to help you apply the grace of God onto the details of your life. Thank you for joining us for today's bonus episode. I'm your host, Jess Finance, and we're very excited to share today's content with you. Our bonus episode today comes from Restore Ministries Australia's first webinar, Walking Together Through the Valley of the Shadow of Death, recorded live on the 22nd of April, 2020. This webinar was designed to equip you to helpfully walk alongside people around you who are struggling with fear and anxiety. Peter Sondergeld, the founder of Restore Ministries and a pastor, counsellor and counselling supervisor, shares some practical strategies for caring for others in the midst of fear and anxiety, followed by a short Q&A segment. Before we begin, there are a few things to note for today's episode. You will hear Peter referencing a presentation throughout the recording. This presentation is available for you to download. Just head to our website, restoreministries.com.au slash podcast, and find the bonus episode page for this episode. Show notes for today's episode are also available there, which will help you reference any scripture or any other resources discussed in this webinar's recording. Throughout the webinar, you will hear Peter talk about our current season and restrictions. Please note, this is in reference to the COVID-19 pandemic and its associated physical distancing and isolation regulations we are experiencing currently. And finally, if you would like to stay up to date on future Restore Ministries Australia events, connect with us via our mailing list, which you can sign up to on the bottom of any page of the Restore Ministries website, or like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Restore Ministries Australia. We hope this content is helpful for you, both in your relationships and personal ministry. Now, on to today's bonus episode. Well, welcome to the uh, webinar for the second time round, but no doubt it's uh, the first time round for all of you. Uh, this is the first one we've had. Uh, so glad you could join us. Uh, let me run you through the, uh, the plan tonight. Uh, the plan is for me to spend about 40 minutes or so uh, just fleshing out um, a, a few things for you to think about, a few things for you to consider in terms of how to walk with other people. Um, and then um, there's going to be time for about 15 minutes of uh, questions uh, at the end. Uh, as always, don't want to just uh, skill you up to be a professional because in God's family there are no professionals in that sense. Uh, we are people who are sinners and sufferers and saints. We walk alongside one another uh, in the midst of the trouble, and uh, so we're side by side, not uh, over and under. Um, so I want to pray, and um, and then we'll get started. Jesus, uh, would you just help us tonight? Help us to uh, to think well about how to help other people. Thank you that you are the one who uh, who sets the standard. You are the one that gets amongst it. Uh, you uh, you had every right to leave us. Uh, to our own devices and um, and just abandon us because we turned from you, but you didn't. You uh, you drew close to us, um, and uh, so God, I just I pray that you would uh, help us to uh, imitate you, that we would be people who would walk well alongside each other through difficult things. Yeah, please help us tonight. Amen. So let me uh, just backtrack here for a moment. Um, And just make a few comments about the moment that we actually find ourselves in. We planned this webinar probably about two weeks ago. 
And um, things have changed significantly uh, in the last two to three weeks. And the thing I want to just start with uh, tonight is just acknowledge the weirdness of the moment. Uh, I've never heard the word unprecedented as many times as my, in my life as I've heard it in the last six weeks. Uh, it's a weird time. It's a strange, unusual time. Um, the word unprecedented has been used in the context of uh, people in our world uh, haven't experienced anything like this. It's not that it hasn't happened in the rest of human history, but we haven't experienced anything like this. And I think one thing just to note at this point in time is when you have weird things happening, um, people respond in weird ways. And there are lots of things going on with people at the moment. Um, and I guess one of the questions that I'm asking at the moment in my dealings with people is, uh, is this one here. Uh, is this a weird thing or is it, uh, sorry, is this a weird thing in a weird moment or is this a thing? Um, that's one of the questions that I ask regularly because I think at the moment you can just expect people to be doing things that can be a bit out of character. They can kind of blow out a little bit in things because there's a lot of pressure. But at the same time, this pressure can also shake people up and bring things out that were always there. Um, you know, when we see things come out of people in the midst of pressure that were always there, we don't want to just shove those things back in and pretend like everything's okay. Um, we, we want to recognize how those things rising up in the midst of pressure is a God-given opportunity to deal with the problem. So expect unusual things to happen um, and expect things that haven't been particularly prominent to become more prominent. Here's the uh, second thing I just wanted to uh, throw out in terms of context, in terms of the moment that we're in. Uh, we have had some massive change in the last six weeks and it's happened really, really quickly. Some people are struggling to keep up. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of reasons to be thankful for technology, but it has its limits and some people just haven't mastered it yet. I am giving a lot of tech support at the moment to, uh, to my parents and uh, to my wife's mother. Um, you know, and here's the bottom line. A lot of those older people are doing really well at kind of mastering technology, um, but some of them just won't have mastered it by uh, the end of this season. Um, but let's get down to the practical things about it. Uh, stop and consider for a moment how these changes that we've seen have affected people personally. This one's a bit of a sneaky one. Um, one of the reasons why I think it's sneaky is because when you have a lot of panic and anxiety going on. It's a real kind of racket. It's a real noisy kind of racket. And one of the things that's, uh, that can uh, kind of sneak in there is people just don't actually notice how they're traveling in the midst of the noise that's actually going on. Um, they're not particularly attentive to it. It's simply too loud. Uh, and here's, here's something I think is uh, really significant in this time is, is that people live out of their hearts before they notice what is going on in their hearts. Um, you know, what does that mean? What that means is that we can expect in this particular time, we can expect people to act in ways that reveal they are not doing well before they realize they're not doing well. Um, and the classic go-to when people are not doing well and they don't realize it is it's their context, it's their environment. Um, 
people will start to have struggles. If they haven't already, they will start to have struggles and they'll blame other people or their context for their situation before they actually see what's going on inside of them. Uh, you just need to get comfortable with that reality. I want to give you a, uh, a personal example. So uh, yesterday I started at 6 a.m. in the morning. I was on video and phone calls pretty much for most of the time through till 1.30 in the afternoon. And towards the end of um, that period of time, as I got closer to 1.30, I noticed I actually was starting to get pretty angry. And uh, just underneath, it, it didn't spill over to anyone, but just underneath. Um, and my initial reaction, my, my instinctive reaction is that it's my context. It's all these things that are going on around me that are the problem. I didn't see what was going on inside of me. Um, you know, when I stopped at 1.30, I, I pulled up for a minute and I just went, huh, I started at 6.00. And I haven't had any break at all until 1.30 and I've just been doing this stuff that's, um, it's, it's tiring. I think it's tiring uh, communicating and doing relationship all the time by technology. And uh, I just saw seven and a half hours without even five minutes break like that. That's just not cool. Uh, you know, humanity was not made to work unceasingly. That's God's job. Um, you see, what was going on there is I was living out of my heart before I realized what was going on in my heart. And that's, that's consistent with Scripture. When we, uh, when we look at Scripture, uh, what we find is that uh, it's out of the heart that the behaviors and the actions of humanity kind of flow. And we also see in the Scriptures that people can be quite blind to what's actually going on in their hearts. Uh, so it's not surprising. People always live out of their hearts. Um, we can be less than clear on the whys and wherefores in our own hearts. Uh, and even when we do actually catch up and we see some things that are going on in our own hearts, there's often quite a lag uh, between when we, um, we started uh, the particular behavior and when we actually see what's going on. Um, you just, that's just something I think for us to be alert to in this particular um, season that we find ourselves in. Here's the, um, the, uh, the next thing that I think that is critical as we uh, walk through this uh, season. Um, the changes that we've had, the restrictions that have been brought in over the last six weeks have uh, struck at the core of what makes us who we are, who we really are as humans. Um, you know, God made humanity relational by default. Um, you know, I think Genesis chapter 1 is clear that humanity has been made as uh, royal children related to God and relational by default. You know, it's, it's evidenced by the, um, the summary of the, the, uh, the commandments that, um, that's in the Gospels there, to, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and to love your neighbour as yourself. You know, this, this loving is not merely theoretical, it's intensely practical. Uh, and it's an all-of-body experience. Um, it's not just a theoretical kind of intellectual thing. And so one of the questions I think that's worth asking is, what has the current season done to who we are? Well, uh, like any kind of change, there's normally some opportunities and some challenges. Uh, we could say that the current restrictions have both helped and hindered. 
Uh, in one sense, the um, current restrictions that we're under with physical distancing usher us closer to the core of what it means to be human. Um, you know, to a large extent, what's actually happened for us as a society is the government's come in. And I, I found it fascinating that it was happening during Lent in the lead up to Easter. They came in and they basically banned a bunch of things that we would normally drift toward. Um, it was almost like it was a government imposed fast. Uh, and in doing so, the government uh, kind of cleared out a whole bunch of the idols that we run toward. And um, it's fascinating, right? Um, and cleared out a whole bunch of idols that we, we run toward and told us to stay home and stay together in your household. Uh, fascinating, uh, especially in the light of the fact that when you look at the Old Testament in uh, Psalm 115, it uh, speaks of the idol worshippers becoming like the idols that they worship. Kind of in a similar way to what you actually see in Genesis 1, that God made humanity to be images, um, and God made us to image and reflect the thing that we worship. Uh, it's meant to be God, uh, the most in intensely personal being in the universe, but it wasn't. <laughs> um, solely him uh, for very long really uh, and we came in and started worshipping creation and when we worship creation and we worship idols Psalm 115 says that we worship something that uh, as Eugene Peterson puts it has is a God with all the God taken out of it it's a um, it's, it's an idol that can't see, hear, uh, move, uh, touch uh, it's impersonal that's what it is and when we worship something impersonal, we become impersonal. It depersonalizes us and it depersonalizes other people. And so what's the government done? Well, to a large degree, not completely, but to a large degree, the uh, government has um, knocked out a whole bunch of our idols. Uh, they've kind of uh, uh, killed them off. Um, and that's been really, really good in one sense. And... Uh, it's actually pushed people back. It's taken people from um, idols which depersonalize them and said, go and do relationship with the people in your own household. And in a sense, that's really, really good. It's actually pushing us back to what it means to be human. But at the same time that the restrictions push us back to what it means to be human, they also get in, in the way. They uh, work against who we are. And this is, this is one of the weird kind of realities of this time that we find ourselves in. Even as they push us toward one another, they're separating us from each other. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I've said to uh, my sons, I've got, I've got four sons, I said, you boys are just so blessed because there's some people who are being told that they need to stay home and there's no one else at home. Uh, at least my, my boys have got the blessing of being able to play with one another. Uh, and obviously sometimes fight with one another, but play with one another. Um, you know, to f be physically separate makes the fullness of relationship difficult. Uh, because at the end of the day, uh, you can't pipe the fullness of love down a copper cable. I mean, what an amazing thing that we have in technology, but uh, you just can't pipe it all down there. Um, you know, love is an all-of-body experience, isn't it? And I'm not talking about uh, uh, sexuality here. I'm talking about shaking hands, hugs, a touch on the shoulder, uh, an arm around the shoulder, 
Um, you know, the largest organ of the body is skin. You know, think about the importance of physical touch um, and just how touch is related to our well-being. You know, in a very real sense where uh, our ability to love one another has been truncated. And think for a moment, and uh, many of you would be interacting with some of these people, but uh, just think for a moment about uh, people who are stuck in dysfunctional homes, maybe the difficult marriages. I mean, there would be a lot of people in that, that category who have just got difficult marriages where there's a, a significant amount of conflict. And they're being told, stay home together. Um, you think about difficult parenting, uh, parent-child relationships, abusive relationships. Uh, I mean, even just down to houses and households that are very dysfunctional when it comes to resolving conflict. And um, this is not just the, the messy people. Um, Christian uh, households can be particularly bad at resolving conflict and resolving it well. So what's the summary of all of this? Well, the summary of all of this is that I think you should expect to see a bunch of wins and losses when we emerge from this season. Um, it won't be all wins, but I think our gig is like, let's, uh, let's maximize the wins and minimize the losses, um, which I think just at this point in time uh, is, is a nice kind of segue to talk about anxiety and fear. Um, but as we do that, I just want to have, uh, have a look briefly at um, three key parts, I think, to this season that we're actually walking through. If you look up on the screen there, um, you can see that I, th I think the three main parts that we're actually uh, facing as we walk through this um, season at the moment is uh, there's a health component, an economic component, and a personal component. And when you, when you think about um, fear, when you think about anxiety, what we're talking about is fear and anxiety about a potential threat uh, that could come and take things away. So fear and anxiety is, uh, they're connected to, um, to loss in a sense. And if you look at these, or potential loss, if you look at these three parts on the screen here, I just want to kind of zip through these um, quickly with you, um, just bit by bit, um, because I think it's important to look at this. Um, one of the one of the key realities about anxiety and fear is that they're connected to what we love. Um, so I'll just duck back here to this diagram and let's work our way through this. You know, the fear and anxiety of the threat of loss um, in these three areas, in a sense, you could just kind of go, well, <laughs> who could blame you? Who could blame you for uh, being fearful or anxious about losing some things? Uh, think about the possible loss of health. I mean, that was really, really uh, sharp. That was a sharp kind of fear and anxiety, I think, uh, maybe a month ago. Uh, Queensland today just had uh, another, they recorded zero infections again today. It's the second time this week. So the, the health fear is uh, um, significantly lower than what it was uh, three or four weeks ago. But... Um, it's serious, right? The, the, uh, the fear of the threat of losing your life, the health of yourself or someone that you love, um, plays right into our fear of death. Um, and, and even in a sense, even as we sit and we kind of go, 
Well, I think we're in a better place than what we were three or four weeks ago. Um, you know, it, it could come back pretty quickly. I mean, and, and that's kind of why, uh, you know, we could talk about this diagram as three different phases that we go from the health to the economic to the personal. Uh, but I think it's better to put it in a cyclical manner, not because it works in a circle, but because it could just go, any one of those could just flare up at any one point in time. You know, the way it kind of happened for us was the health thing came first and then all of a sudden there was the shutdown and then the economic fear and anxiety kind of came about at that point in time where it's like, am I going to have enough money? Am I going to go broke? Um, will I have uh, continue to have a job? Uh, there was some really strong um, kind of uh, fear and anxiety about that. Uh, you would have probably seen the pictures on the news of these massive big lines at Centrelink. Um, but the government came in, didn't they? And uh, they, uh, they, they doubled the, uh, the job seeker allowance. They uh, came up with the job keeper package. And it seems at least for the moment that um, some of that has just subsided a little bit. Now, it, it will still be intense in some circles um, and there'll be people who are still in the grip of that. But in terms of, in terms of nationally as a nation, it looks like where um, things have just subsided a little bit there. But the bottom line is it's not over. I mean, people are um, talking about uh, the possibility of a depression and the economic contraction that's going on at the moment and how long is that going to last for and and so this is another one of those ones where it's subdued a little bit for the moment but uh, what's going to happen in six months what if we're still in an economic funk in six months um, what's going to happen then are, are we going to be headed for a depression are we going to have a job is a, a government going to come through for us again um, there's real kind of uncertainty about that so there's a real short-term um, fix in a sense um, or short-term peace uh, for many of us in the short term when it comes to the economy um, but long term um, there's still some unknowns here. The last one there I think uh, is critical just to mention is the personal and, and I think we're yet to see this. Uh, I think we're seeing some reports coming through. I know that in Toowoomba they mentioned um, I think about a week or two ago that domestic violence has spiked. Uh, what will be the effect of people being isolated from each other for an extended period of time? Uh, I've read newspaper articles uh, that compare the, the possibility of deaths from coronavirus to the possibility of deaths from the restrictions that we're actually putting on people. Um, and there's a bit of an unknown there. I mean, it's um, this week in Queensland has been uh, pretty challenging for a whole lot of families because school hasn't gone back and parents have needed to uh, support their kids doing schooling from home and that's been really tough. And we just, we just don't know how people are going to pull out of this. Um, there, there will be a personal cost. Uh, and for some people, the question for them is, uh, are my struggles and my fear going to overtake me? What if I can't stand it all? Uh, what if I lose my mind? Uh, and one of the things that I think we can end up in is we can end up in a place of being fearful of fear. Um, that's, that's a real possibility for us. And it's part of the reason personally why I am not 100% comfortable using the word crisis. Um, uh, I think uh, words uh, like season, I use the word season quite a bit. 
And uh, I think uh, the word trouble is a good word to use. It's, it's a really, um, it's a, it's, it shows up in the Bible. It's a nice kind of plug into what's happening in the scriptures. So these, these are the risks. These are the three areas where I think we can experience loss. And uh, really what we've got is we've got a fear and anxiety of these things, these particular areas hurting us and taking away things that are really important to us. Um, so I want to now just spend just a minute or two defining anxiety and fear. And then I want to run through some... Uh, some thoughts about how to help people walk through uh, this uh, the, the valley of the shadow of death, which uh, at the end of the day, um, uh, death has got a sense of loss to it. Uh, not always physical death either. Uh, how do we help people to walk through a time where there's the threat of loss and the reality of loss? Um, I remember hearing a couple of years ago, uh, Mike Emlett from uh, Christian Counseling and Education Foundation uh, talk about the distinction between fear and anxiety. And I don't know whether these were his exact words, but it's a Sonnegel paraphrase of his words. But I thought it was a really helpful distinction between fear and anxiety. Um, and here's, here's what Mike said. He said, uh, fear is real and present danger and anxiety is imagined danger. So you can see there just from what Mike's actually saying that anxiety has is kind of less anchored to a particular thing that's like right in front of you and real and present. Fear on the other hand is anchored and and points towards something that's that's real and that is right in front of you. I think that's a really helpful distinction. Um, just sort of throw that in because I found that really helpful. Uh, in the rest of the webinar tonight, we're just going to look at um, a bunch of strategies about how to walk alongside people who are struggling with fear and anxiety. And I'm going to use those words largely synonymously uh, in the remainder of this, uh, this webinar. You see, even if there's a threat in front of someone, um, that's just a perceived threat. That's an imagined danger um, in the sense that they're anxious. Uh, it still feels very, very real to them. Um, so let's, uh, let's kick in um, with a bunch of uh, thoughts uh, of mine about uh, how to care for the fearful and the anxious. Here's the first one. Um, if you're wanting to help someone who's fearful or anxious, uh, one of the most helpful things that I think you can do is to help them to articulate their fear and their anxiety. You know, words are powerful in articulating invisible things. Um, and most of uh, human life, most of our existence is actually um, to do with invisible things, things that you can't actually see. Um, and I think it's incredibly powerful to help people to articulate and put into words what's actually going on for them. I think the power of words... Um, to um, to just really help people in that way is uh, really significant, um, and, and I think the example of this is if you um, if you've ever had this experience where you're sitting and you're listening to someone and they're trying to put something into words, um, and they're saying it was like it was like, and they're trying to work it out, and then you kind of suggest what you think they're saying, and they go, yes, that's exactly what it was like. 
It was just like that. It's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, what you've actually done in that moment is you've taken something that was kind of invisible and you've made it visible by articulating it with words. And that's really, really powerful. I think this is part of the reason why when people get a, diag uh, a diagnosis from a doctor uh, about a particular condition, it can actually be a bit liberating because it's this mysterious unknown thing and then all of a sudden as it's articulated um, it, um, it, it just kind of releases something in people. And I think scripture is incredibly profound at, um, at giving us words for human experience and human reality. It helps us to know uh, what things are, it helps us to understand our experience it gives us words uh, to speak to God and it tells us how God speaks to us. Uh, one of the most stark scriptures for me that just captures a part of human experience pops up in a lament in uh, Lamentations. Uh, have a look at this one. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is, so I say, my endurance has perished, so has my hope from the Lord. You can feel that, right? Like I can, I can feel that in my teeth. <laughs> he has made my teeth grind on gravel. Um, you know, what this lament is doing is it's giving voice to the experience of the, the one who's uh, lamenting. Uh, it's giving words to it and putting words to someone's lament, putting words to someone's anxiety and someone's fear uh, can be wildly helpful to them. Not least the, which, uh, the fact of which as you put words to the fear that someone has, um, sometimes I think you will just see, you know, people will see the irrationality and that it just doesn't make sense um, the way that they're operating. So words can be really powerful in that sense. Here's the, um, the second thing that um, I'd love to uh, offer to you tonight as, a, as uh, something that you can do to be helpful to people. Uh, remind people of who God is in the present. You know, you go to the uh, Sermon on the Mount and this is what Jesus is doing, right? He's kind of saying to the people, look, don't race off into the future. Uh, when your anxiety stirs up and you get going and you race off into the future and you have this picture of what's happening in the future, uh, God's, most of the time, God's not even there. Um, God's absent from it all. And so what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount is he, is he pulls people back into the present. He says, have a look at the birds over there. Have a look at them. They don't uh, store up in barns, but yet your heavenly Father feeds them. What's he saying? He's saying, come back into the present, notice the birds, notice that God's caring for them. Look at the flowers of the field. Have a look at them. They're amazing, right? God dresses them. And then in Matthew 6, verse 32, your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. You need clothing. You need food. What's Jesus doing? He's pulling people back into the present. He's saying, look at God and what he's like in the present. He's your father. He'll look after you. 
And so I'd encourage you in your dealings with people, um, do what you can to encourage them to see who God is in the present. Um, and keep it, keep it personal. Um, don't settle only for um, intellectual truth. Uh, make it personal. Uh, one way that you can do that is uh, you can quote scripture and say, this is how um, this helps me to trust in God. Um, how, how does it speak to you? Uh, I think one of the things that we're wanting to do when we're using scripture is we're wanting to lead people to Jesus with scripture. All right, third one. This one is uh, really um, critical, I think. It's a little bit of a longer one, so I trust that you can grab the, the two halves to this uh, strategy uh, here or this, um, this way to help people. Uh, help people to see how trusting God is the way out. I want to say this to you, that the only antidote to fear is trust. That's it. Um, one of the things that fear and anxiety do is they stir us up into action. And I think that's part of the way that we've been made. You know, if you go right back in Genesis 1 and 2, you can see that humanity was made to guard and protect the garden. Uh, it looks like God's made us to be on alert for threats that are out there. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 talks about how God um, exercised his dominion for good, his, his rule for good, uh, and created the world. And then at the end of it, he gave uh, Adam and Eve dominion and said, you go and exercise your rule for good. Um, it looks like the way that God has made us to operate is that we're meant to bring order and structure to what's going on, but under the sovereignty of God. So far, so good. What we have in the fall in Genesis 3 is we've got Adam and Eve step out from underneath the sovereignty of God and want to be their own kings, their own bosses. And what we actually find now is this tendency to respond to a threat and engage with it and, um, and try to neutralize it in some way is not something that we're doing now underneath the sovereignty and the rulership of God. It's something that we're doing on our own. And so there isn't a sense as much when we run off in our fallen way to try and handle anxiety and fear on our own, there isn't a sense in which we're trusting God and we're operating under his oversight. We're operating on our own. And one of the things that actually happens to us is we end up in a vicious spiral. So we might in some ways neutralize one threat and then all of a sudden there's three more. And so we get to work on that and then there's another seven. And, uh, and we just go on and on and on, um, operating and acting on our own, trying to neutralize all of the threats that could happen, all of the bad things that could happen to us. And the uh, crazy thing about this, and I, man, I end up in this place, is that um, fear and anxiety just keeps generating future scenarios where I need to act to neutralize threats until... I get to the point, and it often doesn't take me very long, where I think I'm the only one who can be trusted to deal with the threats in front. Uh, God can't, other people can't, I'm the only one. And then what happens when, after I've gotten to that point is I think, um, I realize that I'm overwhelmed by all these things that could happen that I just, and I just can't control them all. I can't, um, I can't kind of stop all the leaks, so to speak, and stick my fingers in the holes. Um, this is, 
this is what happens when we step out from underneath God's rulership um, and try to operate on our own. And so where we end up, I think, in terms of helping other people on this, these are kind of the two halves to helping other people. This half on the left is, um, it's a little bit of a lower percentage play. So I think if, if you want to uh, um, take the safe option, I think you just want to default to the right-hand side most of the time. But uh, I think in, in the right place at the right time, handled tactfully and lovingly with someone, this left-hand side could be uh, something that you could uh, address with people. Um, let me give you a, um, a few ways to cash this out with people. Um, I've sat with people who have tried to control things and I can hear them working really hard. And, um, and I'm just going, oh man, like they're working really hard and it kind of looks like they've got a little bit of control of some things, but now they're seeing all the, these other things that they, that they need to control. And so a couple of the lines that I've used with people before are, man, that just, that just sounds tiring. <laughs> uh, sometimes I might even say to them, uh, man, I was just really tired listening to that. You just sound like you're doing a heck of a lot of work. Uh, are you, you feeling the weight of just having to handle all that stuff and work on it? Um, and you know, most of the time when I say things like that to people, people go, yeah, it is. It's really tiring. Um, and, and that's where I think a little bit of a conversation about where you just have an honest accounting of how's this kind of working for you could be helpful. Uh, because when I get into that and I just think I just want to, I need to try and control everything, man, you just go faster and faster and faster and faster trying to handle things. And you, it, it, you actually end up losing more and more control as you go because you find out all these other things that you've kind of got to be across. Um, that, that would be one, um, one side of the conversation that you could possibly have with people. But more often than being on the left, let's be on the right. You know what the right-hand side is? Uh, the right-hand side is to offer people the sweetness of trusting God. Um, the sweetness of rest. That they can just stop. Uh, there's probably no better scripture on this than this one. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Man, I have hung out on this one in a few anxious moments in my life. Uh, it's such an incredibly tender verse. I, like, there's one part in there that I think is just incredible, uh, where Jesus says, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You know, he, he is in control, he is powerful, but what's right in the center of his nature, right in the center of his character is lowliness and gentleness. You know, fear and anxiety are kind of ravenous, aren't they? And they're like a, a hard taskmaster that just kind of whips you into action. Um, trusting in someone like this, though it feels like a massive leap sometimes for the anxious person. Um, 
that can give you peace in the middle of a storm. All right. Number four. Let's check the timing. Excellent. We'll finish up in the next five minutes. Uh, number four is this. Um, help people to physically interrupt their anxiety. Anxiety can be such a racket. Um, you can get up at the beginning of a day and it just kind of spins up and all of a sudden you're on this out of control merry-go-round. That's just spinning faster and faster and faster. And uh, one of the things that I've uh, been thinking and really working on personally when I have moments where I'm feeling anxious is just don't let it have the run of the house. Um, Peter, find something to do to just interrupt it. Uh, another way that I kind of vis visualize it is um, anxiety kind of wants to be a sentence without any punctuation, a really, really long, day-long sentence without punctuation. And uh, I think my job, and if uh, you struggle with anxiety or someone that you're uh, walking alongside struggles with anxiety, your job is to help them to punctuate the sentence. Just put some, just interrupt it, just uh, put some commas, put some full stops in where there needs to be full stops. Uh, you know, um, you're an embodied soul and what you do with your body is connected to your soul. So one of the things I noticed a, um, a number of years ago when I was teaching is the speed at which I walked to the next class would be connected to the speed at which I was operating internally. So you know what I did? I walked slower to class. Uh, there are times now where I can feel myself being a little bit anxious about things uh, in my job now. And rather than just letting that keep on spin up, I'm just going to go, no, nah, it's going to stop. And I'm going to read scripture. I'm going to go outside and I'm going to look at creation. It's going to remind me of God. I'm going to look at the birds. I'm going to look at the bees buzzing around and picking up, um, picking up pollen. Um, we want to actually get to the point where we've got rhythms in our life where we're interrupting anxiety and not letting it have its way. Um, those are just a few examples. There's a, uh, there's a heap of uh, different ways that you can do it, but uh, just don't let it have the run of the house and um, maybe set an alarm. <laughs> Encourage people that are struggling with fear and anxiety to set an alarm and to read scripture for 30 seconds every 30 minutes. Um, maybe 30 seconds every hour. Um, this is a uh, really precious um, section of uh, the Psalms for me. Psalm 127 verse 1 to 2. If you uh, hear me talk, you probably heard me quote this a few times because I, this so speaks to me. Uh, Unless the Lord builds the house... Those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. You know, I, I can get into a state of anxious toil and it's just working, 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 and there's anxiety that's kind of driving it. Um, and 
interrupting my anxiety by doing physical things of reading scripture, of praying, of going for a walk, of going for a walk where I uh, talk to Jesus or see Jesus in creation and just meditate a little bit. Those, those moments are really, really powerful in interrupting anxiety. And sometimes I will have some days where it hangs around with me for most of the day. And you get to the end of the day and you'll go, well, Peter, how did you go? Did you have a win? Did you win over anxiety today? And uh, I, would, I would just say to you uh, in those days, I would say, no, but you know what? I just interrupted it a bunch of times and that was a win in itself. And I think if we can get people just to interrupt it and not let anxiety have the run of the house, uh, I think that that's a win in and of itself. Now, the last one, I just want to give you the fifth one and then we'll go to a couple of questions. Um, the fifth one is this. Help people to see the lies that anxiety tells them. This is, um, this is a, a really important um, thing to do with people is that lo- anxiety just lies to people. It, it just tells them things that are just simply not true. And there's a great example of this in uh, Psalm 31 verse 21 to 22. Uh, It says, Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I had said, listen to this, I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. (laughs) I'm on my own. No one's going to help me. I've got to sort this out. God's not going to come through. God's not watching. You know, these are the kinds of things, these are the kinds of lies that anxiety kind of throws our way. Um, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. You know, one of the things that we can do with each other uh, when we're struggling with anxiety and fear is, uh, is help each other to see the lies that we're believing um, in general, but I think in particular the lies that we believe about who God is and how close he is. Um, yeah. Maybe we might finish at that point in time. If you've got a uh, question or two, uh, feel free to send them through to uh, hello at restoreministries.com.au or uh, send them to our Facebook page. And I'll just have a quick look at my iPad to, um, to see, uh, see what we've got. And we'll just have a, a few questions just for the last 10 minutes. Okay, some, uh, some of you have asked what the uh, two sides of the circle were. Sorry if you couldn't see those. On the left-hand side of this circle is the bitterness of slavery. And on the right-hand side is the sweetness of trusting God. All right. I'm just going to read a uh, question here. We'll probably have time for maybe two or three. My observation has been that isolation has pushed me towards people that I already know. There's been lots of connection within my existing contacts and immersion in content like podcasts that confirm that I agree with or enjoy. There are people in this group that have helped me with my fear and I believe I've helped them. 
but it has made it much more difficult for me to connect with new people. I'm finding that I'm going to need to be much more intentional if I'm going to connect with people who are isolated by their fear and need help, people that don't think like me or people that I don't like. I don't want to lose this contact because I know it's linked to my spiritual health. Any tips on how I could connect with fearful people that I don't know already? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, one of the uh, things, uh, I was talking with one of the staff members at the Project Church the other day, one of the pastoral staff members, and um, she'd been out and had physically visited some people in the church. And um, yeah, it just kind of came across to her that for her to physically be present was kind of a new thing for people. And they felt a little bit uh, put off is not the word by it, but um, it was just kind of new and people kind of in their space a bit. Uh, and so I think that we can probably expect as we come out of, whenever it is, as we come out of the, um, the season that we're actually walking through at the moment, I reckon there's probably going to be at least two things going on. One is like this, uh, man, let's just get back together. I mean, I, I am looking forward to just having a cracking big party uh, at the Project Church on the, um, the first Sunday back and it's going to be great to be back together. But at the same time, it's going to feel weird because we just haven't been doing it uh, for so long. Um, having said that, uh, I think I would just encourage you, I think there's a great opportunity at the moment to, to be really friendly and just be saying g'day to lots of people. I think people out there um, are... Um, are warmer and more friendly. That, that, that would be my experience in Toowoomba anyway. They're warmer and more friendly to, to those who they, they don't know at all. And um, I uh, just love to smile and say good day to them. Um, and I would just encourage you to do the same thing, is smile and say good day. And I think the, the next step after that is, um, if you get the opportunity, is um, I would just encourage you, if the opportunity came up and it was... Uh, and it was right that you could just share just a little piece of uh, something that's personal for you. Um, because that, that's actually the way that relationships happen is, is uh, people uh, have been made to, to image and reflect God in, in being self-revealers. So, and that's how relationship happens. We kind of take a little bit of what makes us us that other people can't see and we kind of go public and, and tell them about a piece of us that they wouldn't actually be able to see. And then often what happens is people um, kind of reciprocate that. So what am I saying? I'm just saying be really friendly to people. Uh, say good day. Uh, push outside your comfort zone. Um, move into their space because that's what God did with us. He just moves toward us uh, all of the time. And, uh, and be personal with them. Uh, be open and honest with them about... Um, something that you're willing to share with them that's going on on the inside. Uh, second question here is a good question too, which is uh, how do you help someone who uh, doesn't have God as their father? Um, I think I still think there's plenty uh, that we can do with people um, that don't have God as their father. If you go to some of the five strategies that I've thrown out to you, uh, one of them is helping them to articulate their fear and their anxiety. I think you could you could do that with them. You could help to clarify it and help them to to see what it is that they're uh, anxious or uh, or afraid of. Um, that would be one. I think that would be a really helpful thing to do. 
Um, the comment that I made about uh, the strategy that I uh, threw out there about um, uh, the antidote to fear is always trust. Uh, that's not just a, um, a God, a vertical kind of oriented reality. That's also a horizontal reality as well. Um, it was fascinating because that, that concept kind of came out of a, um, I mean, it's clearly in the scriptures, but I, I found it curious. I was reading a book by um, one of the founders of Pixar Animation Studios, and he had a whole chapter, um, he didn't quote the Bible, but he had a whole chapter that was so incredibly aligned with, um, with scriptural teaching on trust and how it's the antidote to fear. Uh, it was phenomenal. It was incredible. And um, he actually was talking about it in his organisation, in the organisation of Pixar Animation Studios. He was talking about how important it is and how important it is for a team. So that dynamic, that uh, fear is the antidote to trust, I think it operates in its fullest sense vertically with God, but it's actually a horizontal reality as well. Um, just looking. Yeah, you know, I, th I think you could physically interrupt or help other people to physically interrupt their anxiety. Um, obviously, there's, um, there's a depth of help that can be gained by um, uh, leading them to Christ and physically interrupting their uh, anxiety by them seeing Christ and seeing God's activity in the world. Um, but, um, but you can still do some of that um, regardless of uh, of whether they believe in God or not. Uh, and even the fifth one that I talked about was the uh, the lies that anxiety tells them. You can do some work there as well without needing to be explicitly talking about God. All right, I might uh, finish up there. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes left. I just want to let you know... Um, I just want to wind things up. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, joining us tonight. Um, if you found any of this helpful, please feel free to go to our website. We've got a bunch of resources there, video and, um, and written resources there, restoreministries.com.au. If you'd like to sign up to our mailing list, we've just increased the frequency of our uh, mailing list, uh, sorry, our emails and our resources that we're sending out to be helpful in this season. And the last thing is um, I want to say to you is uh, we're really excited to announce and you guys are the first ones to hear about it, that we're launching a Restore Ministries podcast and we're looking to go live with our first episode of the Restore Ministries podcast in the next week or so. You'll be able to find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. want to uh, just thank um, Jess Finance, who's our operations manager. She's pulled all of this together. Um, and um, we, we may just do a bunch more uh, webinars for you because our heart is to serve you and to equip you to, be, uh, to take the grace of God uh, down into the details of life in your life and in the people that you walk alongside. I wonder if you just pray with me as, uh, as we close. Jesus, thank you that you, uh, you know us so well. that you're bigger than our fears and that you're faithful.
And even when our fears cause us to get uh, misaligned with reality, it doesn't change your care and your love and your oversight of us and the trouble in our world. I pray that you would, uh, would you help us to trust you? Especially when um, there's that impulse within us and there's impulse within other people. Would you, would you help uh, us and the people that we work with, would you help us to trust you uh, even when we feel like we need to control it and we want to get onto that uh, hamster wheel of control which never gets us where we want to go. Help us to turn quickly to trust. Help us to find you personally present in the midst of whatever situation we're in. And I pray that you'd help us to be people that would um, be helpful in, uh, in other people's lives, in them seeing your personal presence in whatever it is that they're walking through at that particular moment. God, you have much help for us. Um, keep rescuing us. Keep helping us. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, hopefully we'll, um, well, it would be great if we could see you soon, but um, we'll, uh, we'll keep pushing some stuff out to be helpful to you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Restore Ministries Australia podcast. If today's episode was a blessing to you and you would like to support our ministry, please visit www.restoreministries.com.au forward slash donate. Every generous donation is used to further equip and serve the broader church to see people restored to true humanity. Or if you would like to access further articles, videos and resources, please visit our website, restoreministries.com.au and head to our resources page. Restore Ministries Australia, a catalyst for Christ-centred change.